Welcome to episode 38 of the Chalk Dinosaur Podcast. And uh, it's been a couple months since I did a podcast, and now I'm doing one. I'm going to try and do a couple. Um, I've been very occupied with uh, working on the new album. So, you know, every day that I thought, hmm, maybe I'll do a podcast today, I've always just uh, felt like I should be working on the album instead. Um, so pretty much any any work time I had, any free time, um, I was working on the album. And now it's at a point where it's... I have mixes of all the songs. They are not totally finished, but they're, you know, close. And tomorrow and Friday, John Henderson's going to come over and record some more guitar. Um, going to take a, another crack at a couple couple parts. So once I have John's new guitar, I believe, well, that'll be everything. Everything to finish the songs. Except for, uh, there's a song that Nick... Uh, came up with an idea for, or it was like a, a song that we made based on one of Nick's ideas. And that song, there, there's a mix that's finished, but we were talking about the possibility of adding more to it. Um, specifically, he thought that vocals or some kind of like vocal effect, like talk box or vocoder, he felt like it needed something like that. So I still have to try to come up with something for that, which I, I haven't sat down and done yet. It's always kind of scary to do that because I don't, I mean, right now I don't have any ideas. Um, but, you know, if I hook up the vocoder or I just go into a session with the intention of writing a vocal line or making some kind of vocal effect or talk box or something. I mean, usually something comes to me and I can put something down, but it's always, always a little scary. Uh, and you know, sometimes that causes me to avoid projects because I'm worried I'm not going to come up with anything. And so I am feeling a little bit of that with this last thing I need to do for the album. I need to come up with, or at least try to come up with some vocals. Um, it should be okay though, because, you know, if I can't come up with anything that elevates the song, what we have right now, I feel like is, is good. Um, I feel like that would be, that would be, you know, plenty good for the album, but there's the possibility that, you know, adding this extra texture or um, element of like a vocoder or, or vocals, like layered vocals or something, it could take it to another level. And also, it's just, uh, um, I've been trying to, I've been trying to acknowledge and try every idea that somebody brings to the table. 
And I'm not sure if I've always done that um, or that if I've like, I hope I haven't, but if I like shut anybody's ideas down um, until after we try them and hear what they sound like um, and then decide together. But I trying to listen to everybody's input and try it. Um, and if it, turns out that whatever that was uh, doesn't work as well as we thought it might or something we can make a decision based on how it sounds but been trying to consider all of the ideas that people are um, providing and trying to give them all a try so um, you know Nick has this idea for adding vocal, adding some kind of vocal texture. That is not something that like came to my mind as like, like if, if, uh, if I were making this, I probably would have felt like, Oh, the song is done now. Like it's, it's done. But Nick suggested this idea to try to add vocals. And so I'm going to try his idea. I'm going to try to add some kind of vocal texture to make the song more complex, I guess, tonally. And John had an idea of changing the guitar part for one of our songs, Stuck in Between Part 2, um, in order to make a certain section of the song a little more varied and interesting. And so I tried that. And then we were kind of going back and forth about it, and I sent him the new, I you know, guitar that I made for that section. And then he sent over some more ideas about, well, maybe we should switch these two parts. And so I uh, just tried to, you know give everybody's ideas a try and Michael had an idea for um, Nick's song uh, the one that Nick wanted me to try to add vocals to Michael had an idea on the bass um, where he like changed the bass notes during this one section um, and was no longer playing the root note um, and it it made it sound very different and at first I, I didn't, I didn't like it, but in the spirit of, you know, acknowledging and trying everybody's ideas, we recorded it that way. And then we, we also recorded a regular take. Um, that was kind of the way it was in the demo, just, just to have in case Michael's idea on the bass didn't end up getting used, but you know, Later on, as I was working on the album, it had been a little while since I had heard uh, Nick's idea. And um, when it came to that part of the song where Michael's like alternate bass idea came in, I liked it. And we're going to use that. Um, so I feel good about the amount of ideas that everybody has on this album. Um, every member of the band has a song 
and everybody I feel like contributed a lot creatively. So I guess that's always my wish whenever there's like a an an album, a collaborative album. Um, but it's hard. It is hard uh, working. Like I've I make so much music alone uh, for for like work stuff like for jobs and for and just for like some of the albums like solo albums that I make and um it definitely is challenging um to keep an open mind um and to to really uh consider everybody's ideas and go with ideas that you might not have thought of or gone with um choices you might not have made uh if you were making music by yourself but instead taking those choices um that somebody has suggested and trying to run with those um as far as as far as we can and not try to fight something that might not be like a natural decision for me um Sometimes I think I'm doing a good job at this, um, and then I realize that I'm not. Um, like, during the album process, we were recording drums for one of the songs. Well, let's see, what was it? Reverie Part 1, which was a song that John Henderson came up with. Um, at least, like, the, the idea that served as, like, the launch pad for what it eventually became and so a lot of times I'll get ideas from members of the band and they are they're like fledgling ideas like um, it'll be like one part of the song and then I'll take those ideas and I'll kind of run with them and write new sections to like you know, like a B section or a chorus or like some kind of other section and try to arrange it into, um, you know, a structured song, like a complete, air quotes, complete song. Um, so I did that with this and I added a new section. I really like liked this new section that I added and it had a very specific drum beat in it and when we went to record drums for it for the demo um, Nick played a different beat for that section and I was like so emotionally attached to what I had come up with because I felt like I had put so much thought in and care into like crafting this section that like even though I was like yeah like I want you to play whatever you want when it came to that section and he there was a different beat like I <clears throat> I learned that I actually just I wanted it exactly the way it was in the demo or that that meant a lot to me and I didn't really express that directly and it w there was like tension um, because of it because I wanted it to be one way and Nick wanted it to be another way um but I wasn't clear, you know, I was like not direct about wanting it a specific way. 
for that. And it was like emotionally, I I don't know. I got like emotional about it. Um, cause I was, I was so attached to it. Um, it was, it was kind of like a weird experience for me. Um, like it doesn't feel good to be that emotionally attached to something in like a creative way. Um, and I've done that before where I don't even totally realize it at first, but I'm like, I get emotionally attached to these musical ideas and I become like more kind of controlling about it or like opinionated, um, which isn't always a bad thing. Um, you know, like for the rest of the song, I had no input on the drums. It was just this one section that I, I really wanted it to be a certain way. And I didn't like directly communicate that. And in turn, it created like a kind of just a weird tension. And it made Nick feel like I didn't like his ideas. And that's the last thing that I want is for the people I'm working with to feel like I don't value their ideas. Um, I want everybody to feel like their ideas are valued, you know, including my ideas. Um, but you know, we, we were able to talk it out. I was able to realize my faults in this and, um, yeah, we worked it out and, um, you know, Nick was happy to play the drum beat that I composed for that section, but I should have more directly communicated that that was, you know, very important to me that it was that instead of try to kind of like indirectly like guide him into that uh, or direct him into that that beat it's kind of a surprise to me that I was so emotionally invested in like <laughs> something like that it's, it's still surprising like even though <clears throat> I want so badly to not be like that sometimes I still am and like I remember I was mastering the clock reads I was, I was mastering some of their music and I remember they decided not to include one of like of the songs I was working on. Like there was one of them that was like probably my favorite and they decided not to include that on the album because they felt it didn't like fit with the rest of the songs. And I was like, I was like devastated. And I, I remember like talking to Michael, like, why aren't you guys like, including this song. This is like my favorite song. Just like kind of overstepping my bounds as just the mastering engineer. Like I'm not part of the band. Like I, but I just, I remember having like emotional attachment in that example. And also I think I was mixing, I was like helping mix one of their songs. And like, I think I, my style of mixing was like totally different than like what, they would what they normally have or go with and so the mix i made i felt like i don't know it was like something that i was proud of um and then they ended up i think not using it or like going with someone else's mix that like i didn't like as much and i remember having to like you know be try to just be like very very intentionally just like detach from 
that work that I did and not get, not like get too emotion. I, I could like feel myself getting like emotional about it. And, um, yeah, it's just like a, it's something that I constantly need to try to be aware of and, and combat <clears throat> like getting too emotionally attached to certain things. And sometimes it's like, it's hard to tell, like some things I feel like it's important to stick to your ideas. And in other instances, I feel like it's, it's much better for the team, for the end result to consider everybody's ideas, you know, and not stick to your idea and be really attached to your idea, like to be open to everything, even if it's not what you would naturally have done in a vacuum. But yeah, um, it's just one of those things where like, and for all of the time that I've been collaborating with others, there's always an element of, you know, whatever you bring to the table, idea-wise, when you start working with other people, it's going to change. It's going to sound different. And, you know, that is kind of the beauty of collaboration is that it, it turns into something that is different than, like, what, what you would have done uh, alone. But it's also a challenge of collaboration because then you have these kind of mental, like psychological things that you need to uh, let go of. And you need to not be attached to certain ideas and accept all the ideas and consider all of the ideas that you're getting. But yeah, it's definitely a, a different dynamic. And I feel happy with the amount of collaboration that's occurred with this album in terms of like how much everybody has voiced ideas and opinions and had those ideas and opinions acknowledged. I feel pretty good about it for this album and, and for Spectrum and for Sprout. Um, but yeah, there's still times when I find myself like really emotionally attached to certain things and it's sometimes I'm not able to let go and it causes problems if if that is the case too many times um so still something i'm working on it's interesting i have these attachments and emotional involvement even with work that's not chalk dinosaur like even with work i do for commercial purposes like if i create an idea for a tv show or if I, like, sometimes I get hired to create some instrumentals for, you know, someone else's project. And some of these projects are for friends. And some of them are for people that I don't even know. Um, you know, I'm creating parts for their songs. Or, um, yeah, just, like, creating some something for a TV show. Like, something I have no, I, I should have no emotional investment in. And if I give them a piece of work that I feel like is a good piece of work, like a good idea, and they come back with, you know, make these changes, take this out, and they say, like, you know, get rid of, like, the acoustic guitar or something. And then I, I have to, every time, it's like an exercise in detaching because, like, a lot of times 
I'll get emotionally attached to it because like, I feel like, all right, this is really good. This is like exactly what they want or what they asked for. Um, and then, you know, when they come back with revisions or changes that they want me to make, sometimes they request that I change the, the part that I liked the most. And that is hard sometimes, even though it's not this, I don't have anything to do with this release or with this piece of music. Like it's going to be totally <laughs> like not attached to my name at all or like very little. Um, I'll, I'll still be like emotionally attached to it and I can feel it. Like I don't like it. Um, and I have to just like let go of that and be like, all right, I, I think I read in a book or I forget where I read this, but it was like audio engineers and, and composers and stuff that are working for other people. They, they said, this is the service industry. Um, so your, your job is to serve the client and to, you know, get whatever they want, get that to them. Um, it's not about you and your ideas. So it's like, it's still hard. Even, you know, I, I understand that. And I try to have that, you know, I try to think about that whenever I have an emotional attachment to a piece of work I've done that a client doesn't like, or they want changes on. I, I just have to practice detaching from it, you know, every time that happens. And, um, it's still difficult sometimes to, you know, if, it's always whenever I feel like I did a good job and I'm proud of what I've done. Anytime there's like adjustments to be made after that, I, I'm like, I feel almost insulted. Um, and I know that that's not, that's not like the right way to feel about it. And that's not like, that isn't like the mindset you should have, but you know, knee jerk reaction is that. And then like, after I have that reaction, you know, I don't respond based on that emotion. Like I'm able to usually like have that emotion of like, ah, oh, like I feel insulted that they don't like what I did and then let go of that and just be like, all right, well, what do they want? Like, what can I, how can I get closer to what they want? I, I just like do exactly what, you know, they're requesting, make them happy. And then it's all good. Um, I just have to kind of like reorient my mind to pleasing them instead of pleasing me creatively. Um, but yeah, it's a challenge for sure. But anyway, um, it's getting close to the end of that, like the process of uh, actually making the album in terms of the audio. Like it's getting very close. Um, sounding good to me. Um, and I'm excited to, to get it done. And we, we already have album art for it. I haven't decided yet if I want to send it out to someone to master it, like a mastering specialist or self master it. Um, probably, probably would like someone else to do it. Um, just because, I don't know, we've already invested a decent amount of money into the album. And 
I think part of me is like wants to just go all the way with it and handing it off to a mastering engineer has been really nice uh before like with spectrum that was really nice because i've been listening to the music so much since i was like working on it i i heard it so much that my perception of the music was very different than you know what it would be to somebody who's hearing it for the first time so my ability to make objective decisions was really um was really hindered i felt like i i just couldn't um couldn't make the right decisions for for the song and i tried a few masters i probably made a round or two of masters i was having trouble getting some of them to to be right to, to sound just right and it was driving me nuts uh, a little bit so I think I sent one out to a mastering engineer and then I compared our masters I liked his work so talked to the band about maybe splitting the uh, the cost of getting it mastered and, and having someone do it and um, that's what we ended up doing So, yeah, 2023. Um, we'll see. This will be an interesting year because for the first time, Chalk Dinosaur is working with other people. Namely, a manager. Uh, Rob Chafin is now acting as our manager. Um, which is pretty crazy because... Uh, he's the drummer of a band called The Works. He's a talent buyer for a concert venue in Ohio called Legend Valley, which is a big festival grounds. He's also the owner of the Summit Music Hall, which is a music venue in Columbus. And he also is the founder of um, an operator of uh, the Workout Music Festival and Secret Dreams Music Festival both in Ohio. So he's he's got so much um he's so involved with this music scene and um you know he's got his hand in so many things, knows everybody. Um and we we kind of had our um we kind of had our first uh really inspiring experiences at Legend Valley and at the workout before we were performing as a band. So me and Nick, my brother, um, and Andrew, who played bass with us for a few years, we went to the workout for a few years, 2014 to 2016. And, um, you know, when we first went, we weren't performing yet. I was no I wasn't performing. I was in like a performing hiatus for a few years where I didn't I didn't perform. And um we had some really inspiring and formative and really fun experiences at the workout watching the works and Dopapod and Papadozio and being just like enveloped in that whole the whole vibe of that venue and 
Ohio's got kind of a very strong uh, music community. Um, and I don't know. It was just uh, the collective energy at the, those workouts was really inspiring. And we saw some inspiring performances. And we, had, we just had such a good time. Um, that was one of the things that made us want to start performing because we wanted to we wanted to do that we wanted to be involved and then you know very interestingly many years later the founder of that festival is rob chafin he's now our manager so it's actually really uh pretty amazing to think about very full circle for for me and um so far it's been it's been really great having help handling you know the aspect of being in a band that it's not easy for me um which is booking and negotiating so he's um he's been handling all booking um uh, he's been looking for a dedicated booking agent for us and he's already booked us some really good really good shows at really good um prices and just like negotiating way better uh payment than you know what i than we've ever gotten before and that's right off the bat like he's only been working with us for officially for like a, a couple months but it's definitely been a a huge uh difference already and um so that that's pretty exciting i feel like it just feels really good to have someone else um helping and helping with the things that i am not good at um and he's also looking to, you know, assemble, he's looking to assemble like a team. So booking agent is next. And then he's got someone helping him. They're going to help run social media and like keep things, you know, keep, keep everybody updated um, and aware of what's going on. Cause I'm, I'm not always the best at posting updates about shows and like making repeated posts about shows so that everybody you know, knows about it and stuff. Um, and, you know, they're going to be helping with promotion for, for the shows that we get. So just all this stuff that, like, having any help at all with, with that is going to be really nice. Um, so the plan for 2023 is, and, and moving forward is, um, we're going to be touring hopefully or like start to tour a little bit as a duo me and nick um just because of our schedule flexibility right now we're able to do that and then whatever shows michael and john can play um we can do those as a full band so it's still going to be like two different bands with the duo being the traveling band and the full band being kind of probably playing um, at a much lower frequency, but like 
you know, events closer to home that everybody's available for. Um, so it'll be more of, I guess, like, it'll probably be more or less the same as what it is now, but me and Nick are going to be playing more shows in between our, you know, full band shows. Um, so we've started, we're kind of in like a, a period of dormancy right now until our April show, April 15th, Saturday at the Thunderbird until that show. And then after that, it's going to be, um, a lot more playing. So we have until then to make sure that the album's done, um, that our duo set is in good shape. Um, you know, try to write new music for the duo set. Yeah. Finish the full band album, make sure that set is in good shape. And then when the um, playing begins, you know, we'll, we'll probably be using those the repertoire that we prepare in this next, let's see, January, in these next three months, we'll be using the repertoire we prepare. Um, and then, you know, using that for this upcoming, like, spring and summer and fall. Um, let's see. Yeah, so the next three months is just working on the album. I have another album that I'm working on, a little EP, three songs, all vocally oriented, kind of uh, no relevance to our live performance at all, but just products of my songwriting that I you know, want to release, uh, just a little collection. And then I'm going to continue releasing singles for Punch Funk Love, which is that Baby Blue Tiger Head album. Um, probably, probably gonna, I don't know, let's see. Uh, I don't know how many, but I, I feel like I'm probably gonna cut it off whenever we start performing and I'm not gonna have as much time to keep releasing singles. So it'll probably end up being like 12 to 14 songs and then I'll release the whole thing as an LP in 2023 at some point. And what I would like to do in the next three months is put together an EP or an album of new, new music featuring like our duo sound, like me and Nick, since that's what we're going to be traveling with. Um, so... We've been getting together twice a week. We're getting together today um, just to, to play and to kind of work on ideas and um, just trying to get in the groove as a duo. And it's been, uh, it's been nice. Looking forward to, whoops, sorry that stand I'm looking forward to like seeing what we can do when we put more time into it because um, you know it's always been kind of a we prepare as needed type of thing haven't been doing an ongoing um, dedicated sessions every week regardless of if we have a show or not um, so I'm excited to see what that 
can do. Yeah, so a lot of new releases in 2023, hopefully. Um, I'm working on a collaboration. It's like one, it's like a single with um, Jeremy of Pigeons playing ping pong. I don't know when that's going to come out. I don't know when it's going to be done. Um, Hopefully I'll have some clarity on that by the end of February because I think they're on a break. And he said that he wanted to make some changes uh, wanted to redo some stuff, um, and that he would, uh, have time in February. And, um, also, you know, I don't know some of the, some of the other members might also add some things, but I'm not sure who's interested in being involved, but regardless, um, that track will be cool. Uh, be really cool to have a piece of music with you know, some of these, some of these other artists that are just, you know, people that we watched from afar and who have, you know, provided experiences that have inspired us. So got the track with Jeremy and then I got, uh, Luke Miller, um, hired me to make a remix of one of the songs on his he started a new okay luke luke miller he's the one of the members of lotus um he's the guitarist keyboard player composer um and he started a side project with a vocalist and the side project's called sugar nova um it's new and he hired me to make a remix for one of the songs on one of the new songs that he was releasing. So I did, I like it a lot and I'm excited to that getting released. I don't know when, but um, hopefully this year, 2023, I mean, I, I would, it seems like it would be this year, some point. It seems like it would be too long if it was after. But, um, oh, and one of the songs that I'm, going to release on my little vocal based EP that I'm coming out with my three like vocally oriented songs. One of them I'm getting my, one of my like songwriting idols to sing on it with me. Uh, Phil Dickey of someone still loves you, Boris Yeltsin. He's going to sing on it with me, which is amazing. Uh, we've kind of developed like a working relationship over the past few years, I've, I've done some guitar work for him and some of his projects. Um, and he's like helped me, uh, with trying to get me into some commercial songwriting that he's involved with. And, um, he's hired me to do a couple like sound design things for him and his work. But like his, back in 2009, we played, we opened for them. And that was like a humongous deal for me because I was a huge fan of of that band and still am. Um, so it's really cool that all these years later, um, I'm able to, I'm like in touch with him and we work together and he's going to be on a Chalk Dinosaur song. I'm, that just like is super cool to me. I'm really happy about that.
Um, yeah, so a lot of new music. Probably going to be playing a lot more this year. And a lot more duo action. We're going to try to get some better video content, maybe hire. Well, definitely would like to hire a, someone to do video uh, of some of our bigger concerts, just to have some ammunition for promoters and for YouTube and stuff. So in 2022, I didn't release a, I didn't release an album, which was, that's the first year I haven't released an album in a long time. Maybe, yeah, ever. I've never not released an album since 2009, but I did release 11 singles or 10 singles. So I kind of released an album, but it was, I released an album's worth of music, but they were all singles. And I was doing that in an attempt to see if that would help gain Spotify listeners. You hear a lot about singles being like the way to go. Um, I don't like, I don't really like singles. I like albums, but I'm going to have both because I'm releasing all these as singles, but they're all going to be on one full length album. Then I'm going to get rid of all the singles on Spotify. I just don't like how messy having a ton of singles is. You can't find anything like there's no identity. Um, so I, I finally like gave in to releasing a bunch of singles whenever I, you know, decided that I'm going to package it as a full length album. They're all going to be part of an album once, you know, the whole body of work has been released. So that's, that's what I'm doing. And it's been, it was kind of interesting. Like I started out in March of last year, 2022. I had about 2000 monthly listeners, maybe 2.5 thousand. I released the first single twin lengths and my monthly listeners jumped up to 4,000. And then for the next, I don't know, seven singles I released, my monthly listeners stayed about the same. They didn't really go up. Um, so I was pretty discouraged with releasing singles because it had a big effect after the first one I released in a long time. And then like, it seemed like it wasn't, it wasn't working. Like my monthly listeners was decreasing even. But then after about eight, well, maybe like six or seven singles, Spotify started putting the singles onto release radar. It started, I don't know, the Spotify algorithmic playlist started to boost uh, my monthly listeners by, it, it just started like feeding the singles to more people. So I started to get some help from Spotify algorithm after about six or seven singles. Numbers started to go up and like spike a little bit with each release and it's been spiking more and more um, with each new single. So it's pretty exciting. The, the monthly listeners went up a lot um, in the past like three months. So um, 
yeah, I mean, we're looking at 2.5 thousand followers at the start of this experiment and currently about 10,000. It went as high as 13,000 um, after my last single, but then it, it shrank back down. Um, so that's that's five times, it's 500% increase this year, which is huge. That's the biggest out of any year by far. I guess the thing is, you know, these numbers, these monthly listener numbers, they're not totally, you know, a great metric because monthly listeners does not equal fans. Monthly listeners includes people that, you know, Spotify algorithmic playlists, you know, like release radar or daily mix, like your music is on there and they hear it, but they're not choosing to listen to it. They're not seeking your music out. And hopefully some of them do, you know, they hear it and then they save it and they want to explore more. But, you know, 10,000 monthly listeners doesn't mean you have 10,000 fans that are going to like support you and uh, come see you and buy your merch and stuff. So, um, I try not to get too caught up with like the increase in numbers and like I don't want to get too happy about that because I feel like it's kind of inflated. Um, and I just know this because with my lo-fi project, Pelican Watch, I remember I got on a couple playlists. I was like really hard trying to get on playlists with Pelican Watch. And I got onto a couple and my monthly listeners went up like started going up really fast. And I was like, wow, it's working. Like, um, I might be able to actually do this. Um, do this as in like get enough monthly listeners to, you know, pay my bills <laughs> through Spotify. Um, but as soon as the songs got off the playlists that they were on, my monthly listeners went down back to like a hundred, but it was like up at like 3000 really quick. And I was like, wow, this is working really well. As soon as, you know, my songs were removed or rotated out of these playlists, it was all the way back to like a hundred, 200. I don't know where it's at now. I mean, it's still a satisfying project for me. I really like that music. Um, but like everything else that I've tried, it's way harder than it looks. Like I, I, I was looking at all these, I was just like observing the lo-fi scene from the outside, seeing all of these Spotify lo-fi artists with not that big of a discography with, and with millions of monthly listeners, more than enough to support somebody, to pay rent and all your bills, to like make a living wage. So I was very enticed by that because I felt like, well, I, I feel like I could make this style of music. So I created Pelican Watch to try to niche down and make a very specific type of music. And because um, I really felt like I could be successful in that, uh, in that genre or in that scene. And so I released three EPs, Pelican Watch EPs. I really like all of them. I feel like there's a very strong theme to the music. It's all, it's lo-fi, but it's like coastal 
inspired. Um, all the artwork is watercolor by the same artist who is my mom. Um, there's a very strong theme to everything, which is like something that I feel like Chalk Dinosaur lacks um, is like a a consistent theme and like identity. Uh, Chalk Dinosaur is kind of the opposite. Like it, it's unique in how diverse it is. But with Pelican Watch, I wanted to have a very narrow, well-defined style and aesthetic and um, just wanted to be a very specific thing so that if somebody listens to Pelican Watch, they know exactly what they're going to get. And it's consistently that vibe. Um, kind of like Krongbin or Tycho, they're both like that where I could pick any song from them and I know what it would be like. It's like a very reliable style or vibe um, and they don't stray outside of that. It's all like that specific color. And so that's what I wanted to do with Pelican Watch. But ended up being way harder <laughs> than I anticipated to get fault like to get listeners um and i tried pretty hard for a while got it on a bunch of lo-fi playlists i like reached out to a bunch of people and it's just it's really hard to get people to listen um from zero you know so i eventually like stopped stopped uh i got like invested in working on the chalk dinosaur albums and singles and like doing that stuff so I eventually, I, I, I've been inactive with it for a little, little bit. Um, but yeah, man, it's hard. Uh, and I feel like I, the same thing happened to me with the, with Troxonics, with the sample company. I saw all these independent sample companies on Instagram because Instagram was targeting me as a music producer, selling me a bunch of sample packs, um, so I started like observing like these sound designers, music producers who sell sound packs to other producers. And um, it seemed like something I could do. It seemed like a product I could make. Uh, and it seemed like something I could do a good job with. So I started making audio products and I felt like they were very good products, but um, then I kind of ran into the same thing where it's like I can make the products, but I can't sell them or like I can't, uh, I'm unable to get the audience that is necessary, which is like, I guess that's, that's the hardest part probably like making the product is the easy part. Um, what else? I mean, even with this podcast, like, I, I'm pretty sure I started it with the same type of like hopeful ambitions of, you know, there's a lot of podcasters out there that is their main gig and that's what pays their bills, which is crazy to think that you could do that. But, you know, that's not why I started the podcast, but it was something that I thought about like, well, maybe this will be like this, maybe this will be popular. And um, just like with everything, you know, that I've described, it's very hard to get a foothold in any of these things. 
Um, I think once you have a foothold, then it'll start to grow organically um, as long as you keep producing new stuff for people to consume. But uh, yeah, it's it's tough for sure. So, I mean, for the past few months, I've just been putting all my eggs into the chalk dinosaur basket and kind of just putting all these other projects on the back burner for right now. But um, I, I definitely, it's important to me to keep the podcast going and I am terrible with consistency with it, but I want to keep it going because as Chalk Dinosaur grows and progresses and more and more people start listening to it, I want them to have another layer, like another level of depth that they could go to if they really like it and they want to hear more, more about it, more about the project. Um, so I'm going to keep doing it. Uh, it's pretty, uh, I enjoy doing it, but, um, I'm just terrible at staying consistent. You know, consistency of schedule is very difficult for me. Uh, I've been without structure, without any like imposed structure for so long. Um, you know, time management and just like, yeah, I guess time management, sleep schedule, just like creating structure in my life is, is always something that I'm like trying to do and not always doing a great job at. But, um, I think like trying to do all these different things like podcasts, sample company, lo-fi, uh, releases. Oh yeah. I also started another one with my cousin, ancient frequencies, meditative music, because like we already were doing that kind of stuff. Um, like with the peace album, the chalk dinosaur peace album. And we'd done some other music too together that hasn't been released or had not been released. And then I started like investigating a little bit. Like I saw these meditation music artists on Spotify and YouTube that had millions of monthly listeners. And it was literally just like, it it was like a piano playing one note over and over again, or like just like a tone. Um, And I was, it just made me think the same thing as like the lo-fi stuff, but even more like, wow, I could do that. Like, why, why don't we try that and see if we can get you know, see if we can get traction with with it. So we released what, like two, two or three albums, EPs. But we, I, I just like, I think I bit off more than I could chew, and like I have not been putting attention into it recently. Um, it's just been on the back burner, and so having all these different things, it's like unless you have a very structured day-to-day consistency, it's very easy to, to let things go, um, and get forgotten about because, you know, the more structure I have, the more consistently I can be like, all right, on this day for this amount of time, you know, I'm going to do a little bit of work for this project and then a little bit for this project, like at this specific time. Whereas if nothing's planned, then I'm doing whatever the most imminent 
need, like whatever the most current need is, I'm doing that. And I guess like, like they would say a uh, dog chasing his tail, something just like flying by the seat of my pants, just like whatever pops up in front of me, I do that. Um, so it's definitely better if I can, the, the more I can plan my schedule and the more I can like plan ahead and create time for all these things, uh, the better, but you know, I've made tons of plans. I feel like I've made the perfect plan. Uh, my, my perfect like day schedule structure. I feel like I made the perfect one or like the best one that I've come up with since I've been caring about like structuring my time. But <clears throat> I learned, uh, you know, coming up with the plan is, is one thing and like executing the plan and sticking to it is completely different other thing. Um, and that's just as hard as, well, probably harder than coming up with the plan is actually sticking with the plan. So, um, yeah, you know what? I'm going to detail that plan in another episode, short episode, um, so that somebody doesn't have to listen through 50 minutes of stream of consciousness from me to get this little bit of information that I feel like I want to share about my self-scheduled day and like what the ideal day I think for me is. But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to stop now and sign off here, but Oh my god. <laughs> I forgot. I also started a Twitch channel. Um so I was like live streaming my music production sessions for a little while um working on the album. It actually turned out pretty useful cuz like John Henderson would tune in and he would be he would have my stream on while he was working and he'd be like kind of having the I was working on the album so he could kind of hear what I was doing um and hear the album kind of progress and stuff and then he would have you know ideas or suggestions um or thoughts in real time uh <laughs> as I was working on the album which was cool cuz then he knew like what was going on with the mix process and like where I was and how things were coming along and it was interesting definitely interesting and um so yeah, starting a Twitch, that's another way like people make a living streaming on Twitch. It's just like there's so many different ways that you can make a living as a creator. So many different ways, but any of the ways I feel like require dedication in order to be successful. You know, somebody who is like a full-time podcaster they're probably successful and they their focus is very oriented around their podcast or if there's a YouTube creator who has a large following that that's how they make their money they're probably very dedicated to their YouTube channel in the same way that I'm very dedicated to Chalk Dinosaur um so I'm kind of like learning that you know any of these ventures to be successful I think it requires a greater degree of dedication than what I've been able to provide um and kind of just leads me back to like well maybe i should just like put my all my energy into the the venture that i've 
you know, made the most progress with, which is Chalk Dinosaur. And also like the music library work that I do. It's like those two things are my bread and butter. And I'm trying to like, trying to add all these other things. I mean, I, I was trying to add all these other things, I think because there was a period of time I wasn't getting an income from my normal source. It just like stopped and it's still like, I'm still not getting it. But, you know, thankfully, like, the royalties I've been getting from all the work I've done in the past have been, like, increasing. So it's been making up for the decrease in, like, upfront paid work I'm getting. Um, but anyway, I think I was freaking out uh, that I need, I need to find another way to make money that's not reliant on this company giving me work because I wasn't getting any. Um, so I started all these different things, like trying to look for what could I possibly do? Like, what are the ways I could realistically like support myself? Um, and then like a couple random jobs came up. Like I, I made sample packs for an app, like a music production app. Uh, I've actually made three. Oh, that reminds me, I have to send an invoice today. I did a bunch of mixing work for John Henderson's new album. His artist project is called Sky Ridge, and I've been helping mix that project um, over the past year. Um, he's had a ton of ideas that he sent me to work on, and um, so if you're interested in hearing the kind of music that John Henderson makes, um, check out Sky Ridge. Been doing some production work for other bands as well, Stone Throwers. Um, yeah, just like a lot of random jobs, but thankfully, thankfully, the, the royalties have been increasing to a point where, like, I'm not freaking out totally uh, about not having a, a normal my normal regular source of income still able to like pay the bills and stuff so i have a little bit of you know time to figure something out um wow i always say i'm gonna i'm gonna stop the podcast and then i talk for another like 15 minutes i really am gonna gonna stop now um hope y'all have a good week weekend or whenever you listen to this and uh have a good 2023